Hey, Founder Fam, before we dive into another incredible conversation, I want to share something really special with you. Whether you're just joining us or you've been following us since the beginning, you've been a critical part of our community working to change entrepreneurial education. I started Founder almost a decade ago with the mission to provide entrepreneurs access to the world's greatest business leaders. Our goal was to break down barriers to entrepreneurial education, and that's taken us on a journey from Founder Magazine to this podcast and beyond. And today marks the next step in that journey, Founder Plus. I'm proud to introduce you to Founder Plus, which is an all-access pass to each of our online courses and programs and their proven frameworks for success. It puts every strategy we've compiled from world-class instructors at your fingertips while connecting you to a global network of like-minded entrepreneurs. Founder Plus will take your business to the next level for today and tomorrow. So whether you've just joined our family or you've watched us grow from humble beginnings, we're really thrilled to have you join us in this exciting new phase of making the founder brand and this company the world's best entrepreneurial community to launch and grow your business. So finally, before we get into today's episode, I'm inviting you to come back, check out Founder Plus and go to founder.com forward slash membership. I'm really excited, guys. This is an incredible new evolution of entrepreneurial education, and our mission is really to get as many of these founders that we interview to teach and also give back on the Founder Plus platform and really go more in depth with the knowledge and the experiences and the lessons learned that they're sharing all in Founder Plus. So guys, please go check it out if you're enjoying these interviews. That's it from me. I hope you enjoy this episode. Now let's jump in. who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary Vee, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey, Founder fam. Welcome to the end of year wrap episode and what an incredible year it's been. I'm sure you've experienced the highs and lows that come with running a business. And I know firsthand how much of a grind and challenge that can be. That's why we want to take some time to reflect and refresh so you can make 2023 your best year ever for you and your business. This past year, we've interviewed some of our most diverse selection of founders ever. So as a special year-end treat, we're bringing to you a gather of the best lessons, stories, and business advice in one final episode for 2022. So let's kick it off with Reid Hoffman, co-founder of LinkedIn and host of the Masters of Scale podcast. Reid really opened up about working in the early days of PayPal, which spawned a generation of entrepreneurs like Elon Musk, Chad Hurley, Russell Simmons, and so many more that that group is known as the PayPal mafia. Usually when someone says learning experience, uh, the good question is, well, what's the scars and how much blood did you leave on the floor? <laughs> right, you know, et cetera, because an intense learning experience 
uh, at fast moving with high stakes because these stakes are does the company blow up? Do people still have jobs? <laughs> you know, does do you succeed or not? A lot of startups don't succeed. So you get a whole bunch of like all of these startups have traumatic elements. That doesn't necessarily mean traumatic as in, you know, now you need to go to PTSD counseling, right? But it does mean that it was like, oh my God, was it intense? And so uh, so there's that and there was those things always there. Then, you know, I think a lot of it is we're a bunch of young folks who didn't understand uh, management very well and, you know, um, tended to uh, make a number of unforced errors that you'd have to correct from uh, fast. PayPal had a lot of a, hard, a large number of near-death experiences. I mean, one of the things that I told Peter in, I think it was August of 2000, I said, look, if we're spending money so fast that if we were, if you and I were standing on the roof of the building, throwing wads of $100 bills over the roof of the building, we'd spend money less fast, right, doing that than the way we are now. Uh, and so, you know, you kind of, and we didn't have any business model. We had no revenue, right? It was like, ah, Right. And so, you know, all of that stuff is is a super intense experience. And I, I do think it's one of the things that, you know, people should understand about entrepreneurship is that it does involve those strains. It does involve uh, that kind of terror, you know, in, in the stuff that you're doing. Um, but of course, that's one of the reasons why it's hard. And when you succeed, it can also be heroic uh, because you've, you've gone through that. And so uh, both personal resilience and also, you know, how you, why you have co-founders and, and why you have, uh, you know, other uh, folks that try to navigate to having less, uh, less traumatic experiences, I think is, is all good, but it is, it's an intense experience. You may know the brands Skims, Good American and Safely because of their celebrity founders, but meet the business mind behind their success, Emma Greed. I think that I, you know, just had a conversation with Chris about some, a project that Chloe, that, that Kim wanted to do. Um, and if memory serves me rightly, you know, I just ended up in a meeting where Kim was talking to me about her vision. You know, she was like, this is what I want to do. And, you know, perhaps it was the success of Good American that made you know, Kim and Chris want to have the conversation with myself and my husband, who's also uh, a founding partner in Skims. My role in Skims is really based around the product. You know, what we do is make shapewear and underwear in a fully inclusive size range and really importantly, in nine different skin shades. And so I believe that the last you know, five years of building Good American and working in this space that's really focused around like fit and fabrication has led me to a place where I happen to be very good at that for Skims. So my role is really that of chief product officer. I oversee the design team and merchandising and planning at Skims. And, you know, I love it because for me, you know, it's like I'm a product junkie. I like to be in the weeds with the product, creating new things, looking at innovations in fabric. And, you know, it honestly is like a dream job for me. Mark Lauray is an e-commerce pioneer, former Walmart and Amazon executive and owner of the NBA's Minnesota Timberwolves. Lauray built a billion dollar business in less than two years. Here's how he did it. It was like being on a rocket ship, you know, from the, from the very first pitch that we gave investors when I had nothing but a pitch deck until the time we sold to Walmart for 3.3 billion was less than two years. So that included pitching, raising, 
building the business, launching, getting a ten, uh, 1 billion in revenue in 10 months and selling the company all in less than two years. That was like being on a rocket ship. I can't even explain how crazy that was. It nearly killed me too. And a lot of others on the team. I'm curious, what, what, why do you say you don't, looking back, you don't think you could replicate that? Because, I mean, it was um, a, le- a speed and a level of focus and the amount of energy it took, you know, and, and, you know, what it did to sort of health during that period. I mean, it was literally like full on, full out, seven days a week, you know, 100 hours a week, week after week, under the, 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 the pressure of, of having to deliver uh, to the customer and, and see the sales grow at that rate in that short period of time. Like I was literally on an airplane flying to make a pitch. I had, uh, it was my second all nighter in a row. So I had not slept, slept the night before. And this was like the second all nighter and I was on a plane and I couldn't sleep now because you get insomnia when you don't sleep that long. And I just all of a sudden just felt so nauseous and just threw up all over the plane. I mean, literally, it was like, that was as far, I mean, that was pretty close to the end right there. <laughs> that, was, that was what I call sixth gear, sixth gear, you know, where, where there's, no, there's no other gear. Like there's no, somebody said, all right, you got to do a little bit more. It's like, no, like just completely maxed out. Okay, so Scooter Braun helped shape music's biggest stars like Ariana Grande and Demi Lovato. And here's how he discovered his longest and most important business partner, Justin Bieber. You can't create a Justin Bieber. You know, like you could market something and call it manure all you want. It's still shit at the end of the day. Justin Bieber was the most talented, gifted kid I'd ever met. It was so insane how great of a singer he was, how soulful he was, what he could do on the drums naturally, taught himself with guitar and drums. Like he was a phenomenon. And we met at the perfect time in both of our lives. Um, So I wish people would understand. I think we don't give credit to children enough. And now he's transcendent and become Justin Bieber, the iconic adult superstar. But he was brilliant at 13. You know, so I wish people asked me and gave him the credit he deserved as a child um, because he deserved it. There's no way I would have been able to achieve that with someone else. He was just that good. And, and I think he found me and our skills met each other perfectly and our relationship met perfectly. And we pushed each other and we didn't get it right all the time, but we found a way <laughs> and And we've been on this amazing journey and, you know, he made me a better man. You know, he was the first kid in my life, you know, and um, I I wish people asked me that and understood, you know, they always used to say like, oh, this machine got behind this kid. I wish they asked me how much the label got behind us because it didn't happen. Even after I signed him, LA wanted to sign Justin because he wanted to sign Usher. Usher met Justin once before we had the meeting and told LA we're working on this for a year. You'd only met him once, you know, um, we were grinding for a year and a half on our own. Usher was the right stamp and we were friends. 
LA was the right position, but we had to earn it. Tricky Stewart had Umbrella at the time with Rihanna. He was one of the biggest producers in the world. He and I had a really close friendship and he did the My World EP on spec as a favor to me because we didn't have an open budget. Ludacris got on Baby as a favor because I used to be his party promoter, you know, and we didn't have a budget to get any of this done. It was done through relationships and friendships and people's belief in this kid, they were seeing like, wow, he's special. And when we did that EP, it was right after Asher had done I Love College and everything else. And the only reason I had the money to even pay anybody spec money was because Asher wrote I Love College and that song exploded and we got a million dollar publishing deal for him. And the 15% commission, one, per, one manager took five, I took 10, $100,000 that saved my company. People understand I was broke at that point. My 13 months window of I'm gonna risk everything and sign these two artists, I was at month 11, I, I was done. I called, my dad called me to check in on me to say, how you doing? And I just out of nowhere broke down crying 11 o'clock at night. You know, I'm a failure. Everyone thinks in Atlanta, I've been killing it all these years. I've lost everything. My party promotion company's done. I got this Canadian kid and his mom living in a townhouse under my name with Aaron's rent furniture that I paid for. I'm paying for school. Like I got no more money after two months. I got Asher and his buddies living in another place in my name. Like I, I'm done. Like I, and he said, look, you haven't listened to anything we've told you. And you've always found a way. You got two more months, see it through. And then next day, Asher wrote, I love college. And I knew what to do. When Tony Co started her business, Nix Cosmetics, she had six job titles. You can learn how she scaled her business and became a self-made millionaire in her 20s. 1999, I was 26 years old and I was a, the first year I started the business, I was, I made myself a self-made millionaire. That's crazy. But, but I, I was a one woman company. Um, it was me, myself, and I. I say I had three employees, me, myself, and I. Three of us did everything. And uh, I had a small showroom in downtown Los Angeles. It was 600 square feet. I think my rent was $1,200 or something. It was inside California Mart. Um, and then I was renting without paying rent, uh, a little bit of a warehouse space um, at my mom's business that was on the second floor walk up no elevator and these boxes were 38 pounds each i would never forget and i was in my mid-20s and i I like i i love makeup i love fashion i love beauty so i used to wear high heels almost every day i still do almost every day um and i used to carry these 38 pound boxes up and down and up and down up and down the stair all day long um and uh i was the receptionist the secretary the president the designer accounting person um customer service i did everything myself and uh, uh now i look back actually it was like one of the best 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 years of my life i had so much fun hey guys i hope you're enjoying this episode and learning a ton as you know in this series we interview some of the greatest founders of our generation to find out how they did it however if you're thinking of starting your own business and you want to hear from some incredible stories from everyday people like you or I who are actually in the trenches, only been building their business for maybe one year or two years, like that are building right now and they're really in the early stages, but they're getting success. 
you should come and check out our new podcast from zero to founder hosted by our community manager molly flynn these are in the trenches stories from our very own successful students that have gone through some of our programs people just like you who are deep within the process of building their very own successful business these are the founders of tomorrow You can find the From Zero to Founder podcast on all platforms. And remember, it's founder without the E. All right, now let's jump in the show. So Ed Milet is an entrepreneur, best-selling author, performance coach, and speaker. His Power of One More mindset will help you learn why you're closer to your dreams and goals than you think. The truth is, the reason I call it the Power of One More, there's many reasons. But the overall premise of the book is this. You are one decision. One relationship, one thought, one emotion, one meeting away from a completely different life. And unless you believe, first off, I'm right about that. It's true. But unless you believe that, and then you program your reticular activating system in your brain to find those things, you will never have them happen to you. But if you begin to believe, I'm one meeting away from a different life. I'm one decision away. I'm one podcast away. I'm hearing one guy in the United States away from changing my life forever. Now, sometimes it's a series of those decisions, a series of those relationships, a series of those meetings. But I played golf with a guy two weeks ago right out here. A friend said, you guys got to meet. This guy's worth about $800 million. He reminds me of you. Your net worths are similar. He got there differently than you. You're not going to believe this, brother. And so I meet him on the first day. I said, hey, man, I don't want to talk about me today. He goes, I'm a big fan. I, wanted, I go, no, I want to know about you. I already know about me. So tell me your story, kind of like what you and I do on our shows. And he goes, well, it's really simple. In 1985, I loaned a guy $50,000. So did my best friend. A week later, my best friend asked for the money back. I didn't. I let the guy keep the loan. It turned into $750 million. I said, say that again. He goes, I loaned him 50 grand. It turned into 750 million. I said, who the heck did you loan this money to? He goes, a guy named Jeff Bezos. (laughs) I said, you got to be freaking kidding me. That dude was one decision, one meeting, one person away from dramatically changing his life. That's a dramatic one, right? Mine's a series of those over my life. But I believe you are one of those away. The question becomes in life, all right, if I'm right about that, what are the things you need to think and what are the things you need to do to make those things materialize? So Jamie Kern-Lieber built It Cosmetics into a multi-billion dollar empire centered on authenticity before it was even a buzzword. Here's why she believes in the power of authenticity. It's a funny story, but I was on my honeymoon flight to South Africa and, uh, and wrote the business plan on my honeymoon with my husband, which is, by the way, the least, least romantic way to start <laughs> any marriage is to write your business plan on your honeymoon. And then uh, for anyone listening who runs their, their business or with, a, with like a loved one or a family or a partner or friend, it is wild how difficult it is to navigate like all of the blurring of lines in the relationship. But I think when you go into it the first time, you think like, oh, but you trust that person more than anybody and it's just going to be great. And, and it ended up being great, but really hard. Um, but anyhow, wrote the business plan on our, on our honeymoon flight to South Africa, got back, um, literally quit our jobs. We poured every penny we had into the business, which wasn't much. It was every penny of savings that we had. And I just thought, you know, if we create a product that actually works, like that really, truly works, 
it's just going to sell, right? And uh, and I think I think a lot of entrepreneurs have had this experience where you're like, it's so good. Why isn't it selling? <laughs> like, why is everyone saying no? And why is it so difficult? And you know, it was uh, uh, 2008 when um, when we had our first product and and first couple of products, and I, I believed in them so much. Um, and, you know, I sent them to every retailer, every department store, every beauty retailer, every online retailer, QVC, which is a, a live television shopping channel um, in the U.S. that's broadcast to 100 million homes. And I just had this vision, Nathan, like I saw it so clear. Um, the only problem was no one else did. <laughs> and it was like, it is so hard when people that you know, you put on a pedestal, right? Like a lot of these beauty retailers, I mean, I used to save my waitressing tip money to shop in their stores. And I, I just thought for sure um, they would love this product because it works. And, but they didn't. And every single one of them said no after no after no after no after no. And one thing I learned that I wish I learned this lesson sooner, I would have saved myself so many nights crying myself to sleep. But what I learned, you know, I was trying to do something different, right? I was trying to use, you know, images of real people. I was trying to sort of change the definition of beauty. And, 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 and it wasn't just about the products that worked. It was about sort of the big picture thing. And every single one of them would say, like, that's not going to work. Like, you, they would always tell me, Nathan, um, you need to use images of uh, unattainable aspiration. They'd always say those words, unattainable aspiration. And they would say that women will only buy products from images they can never possibly look like. And I got that that's how it's always been done, but I was trying to do it differently. And the biggest lesson that I wish I had learned sooner is if you are doing something authentic to yourself, which by definition, there's only one of you. So if it's authentic and being done your way, it means it's new, it's novel, it's never been done before. Or if you're doing something crazy, innovative or disruptive or you know, a product that's never been done before, when you're doing something different or authentic to you, don't be surprised when, you know, even people that tout themselves as visionaries or they're, you know, heads of industry or heads of, you know, retail or whatever it might be. Don't be surprised if, if, if even the experts don't believe in what you're doing, because what I have learned is so many well-intentioned people, really smart people, people that are true, truly just brilliant and believe they are visionaries. They often cannot believe in something unless they have a psychological sort of social proof that it's already been successful in, in their mind. Unless they've already seen it successful, they have a hard time actually seeing it working and because they've never seen proof of it before. And a lot of, you know, a lot of people don't realize that's how they think. They don't know why they're not believing in something. But what I found was so many people and they were people that, Again, well-intentioned and really, really smart, but they're often incapable of seeing something succeeding unless it's already been done. And so for any founder or entrepreneur or person with big goals or dreams or even you know, talent and art and creations you want to put out in the world, what I've learned is you have to get really good at cheering for yourself along this journey because often people will only cheer for you 
after you've made it, <laughs> like after you've proven it. And I used to take it so personal and really try to, you know, try to bounce back, try to, try to remember my why, try to get still and hear my own gut that always said to keep going. But it is hard when you get no after no after no. And, you know, 20 no's in, it's like you start to think like, well, maybe this isn't going to work or was my gut wrong? You know what I mean? And, and I think those are the moments when you get still and, you know, some people might pray, some people might meditate, some people might just try to hear what is their gut telling them. But I think when you get still and you listen for the answer, I think your gut is always more powerful than anyone else's advice. Um, no matter who's telling you no, or you're not the right fit or whatever right now. And last but not least, Kendra Scott shares how she built her self-titled makeup empire during a recession. In 2008, I can't even explain to you. So we were just a wholesale company. So I was just selling to other retailers. I was not direct to consumer. Um, after the hat box and that failure of running a retail store, I said, I am never going to be in retail again. I am never going to do that. That is scary stuff. I don't want to have any part of it. Get me out of retail. So this is safer. I, they, you know, a store writes an order, boo, boo, boo. I pack it up. I mail it to them. They deal with it. You know, it's great. Beautiful business. 2008 hit. And all of my eggs were in that one basket, Nathan. I had the power that I didn't have was in the power of the buyers that were writing the orders for the department stores who are now getting laid off with the recession relationships that I had built just, you know, going away overnight boutiques and stores that I had worked with across the country, shuttering left and right uh, big companies filing for bankruptcy uh, that I had just shipped orders to, um, you know, it was devastating time. And I only had a line of credit. I had no investors. Uh, and to try to even think about getting an investor to invest in you at this period, I mean, that was not even, there was, an, there was no conversation starters there with, hey, what do you think about investing? I know we're going through you know, an economic collapse financially, but you know, maybe they're like, absolutely not. Then my bank, big bank, calls and says, you know, we feel that jewelry, fashion, these are high risk areas for us. And we'd like you to pay off your line of credit within the next six months. Wow. Yeah. And I said, well, I don't, I, I can't, I can't pay off the line of credit and I've paid my interest. I've done all the things I'm supposed to do. I've never been laid on a payment. Uh, and I'd call and try to talk somebody and they'd be like, uh, what's your loan number? And I'd be like, A7, blah, blah, blah. You know, all these, numbers. they didn't care that I was Kendra Scott. They didn't care that I was a person, you know, they just were like, what's your loan number? And you'd get shifted around. And I remember sitting on my kitchen floor and just crying and thinking, this is it. I'm going to lose my business. Like so many of the businesses around me. And I thought, okay, what am I going to do? And I started to go to some local Texas banks and I went to one local Texas bank and there, the president was female and she wears my jewelry. She knows my brand well. You know, I'm very well known in Austin. And I sat across from her and I remember saying, Carrie, you know, can you please consider taking on this line of credit? And I promise you with everything I have, if I have to sell everything I own, I will not only just pay it back, but I'm going to crush it. And here's my new business plan and how we're going to get out of this. We are not going to just focus on wholesale anymore because I need to have a direct connection with my consumer. I need her to say, I want Kendra Scott when she walks into every department store. Where is the Kendra Scott? 
And the only way I can do that is if I have a direct connection, meaning I need to get back into retail. I need to get back and and have an e-commerce website. And I need to start to communicate with her directly, not through middlemen anymore. And you're thinking, you know, all these stores are shuttering here. I'm going in and I'm opening a store, Um, doing kind of the crazy thing. But it actually, that was when the magic happened. And if it wasn't for that recession, if it, which I say was the greatest gift wrapped in a yellow bow that Kendra Scott could have ever gotten as a company, we would not be sitting here talking today because that shift, that shake the snow globe moment forced me and my team to have to think differently on how we are going to run the business. Wholesale is now 18% of my overall business. Direct to consumer through our retail stores and online is, makes up the rest. Thanks for listening to the Founder Podcast this year. We hope these conversations have given you the tools to tackle challenges and the inspiration to build your business better. We've got some amazing interviews lined up for 2023, and we can't wait to share them with you and for you to listen. Thanks again for being part of the Founder family and this incredible community. Happy holidays, and we'll speak to you soon. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content, either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.